Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Tug on your heartstrings that our God was, was born in a cave uh, because there was no room for him. I still think there's no room for him in most people's lives. Amen. But this morning, I want to preach to you a little bit different message than that. And I hope that you will have ears to hear what God says. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the most known verse in all of the Bible. I want you to turn to the most promoted verse in all of the Bible. I want you to turn to the most printed verse in all of the Bible. I want you to turn to to the verse they hold up signs for at every football game in the Bible. I want you to turn to the the first verse they teach children to quote in the Bible. Uh, Anybody got a hint or an idea yet? John 3.16. Let's look and listen to the word of the Lord. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Happy Birthday, Jesus. Can you say that with me? Let's say that together. Happy birthday, Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for the gift of your son. God, we remember you today. And as we look to your word, I pray that you'd anoint my mouth and my mind to say only the things that would honor you, God, to say things that would be sound doctrine. God, I pray that you would teach us what you would have us to know. Lord, I ask you to save the lost, encourage the backslider. God, heal, save, and deliver. Increase our faith is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All over the world, people are preparing for Christmas because we got how many days left for Christmas? Five days. Now, what that means, let me tell you what it means that we've got five days left until it's Christmas. That means that the average mom has been done with shopping for two to three months. Well, not, not, not the average mom. Supermom has been done for two to three months. All the decorations have been put up for weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. There's nothing left to pull out. There's, no, there's not an empty counter anywhere to put one more knick-knack, patty-whack, give the dog a bone. There, there, it's, it, everything is all done. She's got all her shopping. Now, the average mom, it means she's been done, the, the supermom has been done for months. You know, I saw people putting their trees up the day after Thanksgiving. Right there? Yeah, hallelujah. Uh, now, that, that's extreme. I didn't grow up in that kind of house. My mom, she, uh, she, she may admit it or not, she's sitting right over there. My mom put the Christmas tree up about nine hours before Christmas and left it up to the end of March. That's this kind of house. Now, maybe not nine hours before, but it was usually, uh, you know, that, that week. The, the, a couple days before, and it never came down before Valentine's Day. Is that right or wrong? That's right. I mean, that, uh, 
So different people do things different ways. But because it's five days before Christmas, I know this. I know most women have been finished with their, whatever the Christmas preparations are. But what that means for men, men are like, oh, snap. I better go do this, that. And Listen, I love it. I go to Walmart on Valentine's Day. I don't have a Valentine, not looking for one. I, I go to, on, to Walmart on Valentine's Day just to watch dudes panic. <laughs> looking, looking at the card rack, trying to find something. And they're cussing. This, I can't even use the word. This, this stinks. There's no, they ain't a good car. They're talking to themselves. They ain't a good car. And I'm, I, I do the same thing on Mother's Day. I walk through there, and I look. My kids don't have a mom to give a card to. Uh, but we go in there, and we watch dudes just shuffling through. This thing, this. And I'm thinking, you waited till the day of. And then you got the same thing on Christmas. Oh, go watch the pa- And they're not open 24 hours a day. Think of the panic that's going to be happening in Manville at Walmart across the nation two hours before Christmas happens. Now, I can tell you that the spot, forget Walmart, it's too crowded. And, you know, it's, you know it's, it, unless you're just going to pull up a chair and watch the crazies, there's not a lot of reason to be in there. You can save some money. But here is your free Christmas shopping tip. Three minutes before you got to show up, Walgreens has got it all. So just walk into Walgreens. Walgreens used to be my Christmas Eve, get all my shopping done in eight minutes. Hey, I'm just trying to help you. We got five days left till Christmas. Men and women do things differently. Can we agree with that? Uh, But we all need Jesus. Can we say amen? So all over the world, people are preparing to celebrate Christmas in whatever way they choose to celebrate Christmas. Now, y'all, many of y'all know me. I don't do most things the way other people do things. I'm 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 a I'm a different kind of person. I, I got my own rhythm and I don't do Christmas the way other people do it, but I don't, I'm not mad at the way other people do Christmas. There, there's nothing Christmassy in my home. Listen, I've still got in my credenza, I, I, I've got a letter that was written to me by someone who was attending our church at the time who threatened to kill me if I didn't put a Christmas tree in the church. And uh, so you, you got to save those things for, for you know, uh, legal reasons. Uh, she went on to say, she corrected herself and said, I don't believe God would let me kill you because you're anointed. Uh, and this was back when Gail was alive. She said, but I believe I could get to your wife and kids. Over a Christmas tree not being in the church. Uh, pe- people get serious about that. You're like, oh, pastor, is that why y'all decorated this year? No, I didn't, <laughs> no, I didn't have anything to do with this. Um, but I'm not mad at people that do. I don't put trees and lights and all that stuff in my house. But I, I, if that's your tradition, I want you to do your tradition. Listen, psychologists have told us for decades, if not centuries, that one, one of the keystones of having a solid family unit is having family traditions. Do, do what your family does. We, we don't do that. I don't, I don't buy presents. Listen, I don't. Now, some, this gives some of y'all a new reason to hate me. I don't give presents away on Christmas. My, kid won't, my kids won't have anything to unwrap. Why? Because one of them is at Paris Island, uh, what do y'all call that, MCRD? One of them is at Paris Island, MCRD, uh, hopefully becoming a Marine. 
You know, if he went into any other branch, he'd already be whatever he was going to be. He'd already be a sailor. He'd already be a, a soldier. He'd already be an airman. He'd already be a coastie. Uh, he's hoping to become a Marine in, in, in about 10 more weeks. But uh, so he's sure enough not getting any presents. And, and, and uh, we, we don't have a tree to put presents on. You're like, Pastor, are you just a Scrooge? Do you hate me? No, I love Christmas. We got some eggnog in the refrigerator. Hi, that's our tradition, man. What's wrong with a grocery store that don't sell good eggnog year-round? That's just crazy. But we, we don't do it. I decided a long time ago, and it's just my personal conviction. I don't push it off on anybody. This is just my personal conviction that for me, I, I really wanted to make Christmas all about Jesus and not about commercialization. So we kind of changed as a family, and we decided to do extra things uh, dur during the Christmas season for the Lord and, and not for each other. And, and, and trust me on this, they're not missing anything. Uh, they, 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 my, my kids got to the point in life where they, they don't even know what they want because they've been given too much. And if you're in that boat too, stop giving them so much. Hallelujah. Uh, but what, what, what we do now, and I'm going to invite you to do it in a little bit, uh, we put out a Christmas box for Jesus. And th th this, is, this is where I focus my, my Christmas uh, every year. Because what I, what I originally started doing because somebody asked me, if you give presents to everybody else, what do you give to Jesus? And I was, you know, I was good and religious, and I said, I give my life to him. Well, that sounds good, but how much do we really do that? Because you know you're going to get up on Monday and go to work, and it's going to be about 7 o'clock at night, and you're going to realize you didn't pray enough that day. And so I decided way back then, I thought, well, whatever I spend on Christmas, I want to give above and beyond that to the Lord. Now, we give this in our Christmas box here. And we don't use this money to pay salaries or light bill or, or anything. We use this money to finance ministry around the world. And if you ever wonder what these banners are across the back or the newsletters on the wall, uh, these are our partner ministries, churches, uh, missionaries that we support every single month. These are not organizations. These are men and women of God that we know that are out doing work. Uh, I got, I don't know if he included you this week, uh, Pastor Kuhn. Uh, sent me some pictures. They, they, they uh, led five Muslims uh, to Christ in, in secret. They have to do secret soul winning um, in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa. Uh, they, they have to walk into Muslim-dominated uh, villages and secretly witness. And they led five uh, adults to Christ this week. And he got pictures in the dark. They have to walk out and baptize them in the dark so no one finds out. Um, listen, when you are so serious about giving your life to Jesus Christ that you'll do it under threat of persecution and death, you're making a real choice for Jesus. And, 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 and so that, that Liberia flag and Pastor Coon's name on there, and, and, and here's the thing. Study this later, and I'll get into the message. When immediately they were found out, all five families were contacted, and they threw all five of those adults out of the home, disowned them, took everything from them. They were not allowed to leave with anything except the clothes on their back and told they could never come home again um, because they had disgraced Allah. Now let me ask you this. We talk about giving our lives to Jesus. We walk in aisle, pray a prayer, shake a preacher's hand, and then mostly going back about our business. But so, so now, uh, of course, Pastor Coon's got five new families living with him, and he needs more money every month. 
Uh, so that's the, ba that's the basic bottom line. But here's where he and all the rest of these people get money out of this box. We give special gifts, and I'm going to invite you later today if you want to. This is the last Sunday before Christmas. If you want to give a Christmas present to Jesus, you put it in that box. That's not for your tithe. That's not for your offering. That is a Christmas present because here's what I believe. I believe if, we, if Jesus was in the room and you could hand him cash, he would look for hurting, needy people that needed help, and he'd turn around and give that cash to him. So that's what we're going to do with that money right there. Somebody ought to give God praise for a church that loves people. But however you do Christmas, I'm not one of those preachers. I know preachers, and I've been in services where, where preachers took the word Santa Claus and, 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 and just attacked Santa and, and said, you know, if you put an N on the end of his name, guess what you get? And I'm like, well, if I put a J on the end of your name, guess what I get? I mean, if I just want to make up letters, and I'm not mad at Santa Claus. Obviously, I like fat people. I'm not mad at fat people. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not mad at happy people. The world needs more happy people. Uh, now I'm a little sketchy about a dude that wants people sitting on his lap all the time. But, you know, you do you. Funniest thing in the world. Two funniest things you'll see if you're a people watcher. And I'm, an, I'm a people watcher extraordinaire. Disney. Now, now I, I, I know Deacon Scott has said the same thing because uh, my sister told me so. Disney World. You go to Disney World, there are more kids screaming and crying and fit pitching and, and, and moaning and whining. And Disney World builds itself as what? Happiest place on earth. I'm like, eh. so when we're in that tram and we're riding from, from the resort uh, into the park and all these kids are screaming, hollering, I just look at mine and I'll be like, yep, happiest place on earth, Disney World. So you got that, that, that misnomer, uh, but you got that other spot. You got Santa in a mall. And, 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 and parents are like, ooh, let's get a picture taken with Santa. And I'm not mad at that. Do you? Do you? But the funny thing is, you know what these little kids do? Once you sit them on a, on a fat dude with a beard, lap, wearing, wearing a costume, hiding his true identity, uh, and they don't know him, and he's a stranger, and you set that kid on his lap and you back away, you know what smart kids start doing? Screaming and hollering and crying. And you told them your whole life, don't sit on no man's lap. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not mad at Santa Claus. I'm not mad at trees and lights and bows and wreaths and, and all that stuff. You do whatever you do. Different people have different traditions. Uh, I usually like to get out of town for a couple of days and, uh, you know, focus, focus on my family and on, on God. But you do whatever you want to do. Christmas means different things to different people. And that's just, that's just the reality of it. But universally, worldwide, uh, Christmas... At its root is the celebration of a time where we believe that God sent Jesus into the earth. Now, I've had a lot of people ask me over the years, how do we know Jesus was born on December 25th? And there's an easy answer to that. We don't. We're almost positive that he wasn't. Uh, now, it's not to say that we are positive that he wasn't. Anybody says that they are, then, then they're, they're just taking too much upon themselves. But we're almost positive that he wasn't because the Bible says that when Jesus was born, the shepherds were guarding their sheep by night in the fields. And typically in that region, uh, this time of year would be their rainy season, and they would not have had the sheep in the fields at night. So probably not December 25th. But it is a memorial, it is a time set aside uh, 
And of course, like every other holiday, it has paganism in its roots, and the Catholic Church tried to clean it up and throw Jesus on it. And that's not to say I'm mad at the Catholic Church. I was just sharing with somebody this week that, that I, I believe we owe a lot to the Catholic Church. All of the history we have still received as the body of Christ, we owe the preservation of that history to the Catholic Church. God used them so that we would still have it today. But people celebrate Christmas in its own way, but some kind of way people should understand that it's about Jesus, uh, you know, catch a clue, context clues. My kids tell me this all the time. If I'm not really paying attention to them and, and I don't get the punchline and I look at them and they're like, context clues. I'm like, well, I'd have been listening to your story to get the context. Tell me again. So with context clues, if it says Christmas, see, we call it Christmas because we don't like to say Christmas because uh, that takes a lot of work. But Christ mass Ought to, ought to have some kind of Christ connotation to it. Would you agree with that? Listen to this quote, and I, and I printed it out. I, I hope uh, Deacon Mike's got it on the screen. I printed this out. Listen, I, did, I left Wikipedia alone because I, I, I trash it so hard when I quote from it. And I, and I remind uh, Marcus, you can't use it in college, right? Wikipedia, no real college will let you use Wikipedia as a source because it's not a source. It's, it's, a, it's just a group of people throwing stuff together. Uh, happy birthday, by the way, non-teenager. Put your hands together for, for a young man. Listen. Now, I, I don't want to speak out of turn, and, and, and don't correct me publicly if he's wrong, but, but, but I believe that, that this is a young black man in America, graduated high school, is in college, doing no drugs, no alcohol, no police record, never been to prison, and ain't been shot yet. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep that going, and talk to your dad today about that third thing that me and him decided needs to happen for you. Oh, dad said all the time. You get that together, but... I put this Encyclopedia Britannica quote up there, uh, which is a little bit more reliable, even though a lot of professors won't accept that either. But uh, put that on the screen for me. Since the early 20th century, now that began in 1900, any, anything with a 19 in front of it is the 20th century. Uh, I know that throws some people. But since the early 20th century, Christmas has also been a secular family holiday observed by Christians and non-Christians alike devoid of Christian elements, and marked by an increasingly elaborate exchange of gifts. In this secular Christmas celebration, a mythical figure named Santa Claus plays the pivotal role. Now leave that on the screen for me, Deacon Mike, because I want to see who's paying attention, who's awake, and who can follow along in reading. In this type of celebration, who, I'll give you a hint, it's at the bottom of the screen. Who plays the pivotal role? This really is what Christmas stands for for most people. If you don't believe me, take all your presents back to Walmart this week and don't have any on Christmas and watch the fit that gets pitched. But I'm not mad at Santa Claus. I'm not mad at Christmas. It is disheartening that when encyclopedias start noting, because they've already said Thanksgiving is no longer a Christian holiday, it's about football and food. Uh, now they're saying that Chris, uh, Christmas is more about Santa Claus as the pivotal role than anything else. But whatever your belief system is or however you choose to celebrate Christmas, I believe there's an undeniable link to Jesus Christ in the word Christmas. Can we agree on that? Yes. 
So this morning, I want to talk to you about why Jesus came and what his coming should mean to us. Because Christmas, and, and, and here's, the, here's the thing, uh, because I'm not mad at, at give giving. I tell people all the time, and if, if you don't know, I'll let you know this morning. If somebody asks me, what do I want for Christmas? Anybody know what the answer is? Nothing. But then there's an addendum to that. I'll add on to that. I don't want anything that you'd have to buy. I just want everybody to love the Lord. Just love the Lord. Just, just, just grow in your faith. You don't need to spend money. Uh, just, just love the Lord. Uh, but Christmas is undeniably about giving because of what God did to bring Jesus into the earth. That is the ultimate giving. And, and that's why many, many preachers will tell you, and, and there's much truth to it, that you are much like God when you are giving because God gave his son. Jesus gave his life. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, strength, and anointing. So there's a lot of giving involved in Christmas, but I want you to put your eyes back on John 3.16, and let's look at the Word. In John 3.16, the Bible says, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you've ever memorized Scripture in one translation and you have to try to read it word for word in a different translation, you can't imagine what a mental brain exercise it is to, to get that done. But God gave his son. I wish somebody would say amen. God gave his son. God did it because he loved us so much that he gave us his only son so that if you believe in him, you can perish and not have eternal life. I want to share a few things with you this morning before we leave. Number one, I want you to understand that Jesus came because God sent him. Jesus came because God sent him. It was the Father's good pleasure to send his son into the earth for the purpose that he had designed. And I want you to know God does everything on purpose. If you don't hear anything else I say to you this morning, I want you to start living your life on purpose. I want you to get up and, and be the man or woman God created you to be on purpose. I want you to do good things all day long on purpose. I want you to shine for God on purpose. I want you to represent Christ everywhere you go on purpose. But Jesus came because God sent him. Now, if you study the history of God's people in the Old Testament, you'll find out that for thousands of years, they waited for Messiah to come to fulfill the prophecies that had been told to them throughout the centuries. They, they knew that God had promised a deliverer. You see, God's people were in a mess. God's people had, uh, were enslaved. God's people were under bondage. God's people were going through but they were always told that one day God would send Messiah. That one day God would send a Savior that would forgive us of our sins and deliver us from our situation. And they looked forward to the coming of Messiah. And that's something that you need to understand. Everyone who has ever been saved, 
God saved the same way. It wasn't by being good. It wasn't by learning scripture. It wasn't by working in the nursery. It wasn't by going to church. It wasn't by turning over a new leaf. It wasn't by quitting drugs or alcohol. It wasn't by, by be, being a solid citizen. Everybody that got saved got saved the same way because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary because the Savior suffered and bled and died for us and was raised from the dead by faith in in that story, we too can have resurrection. Amen? But what about the Old Testament people? He hadn't come yet. Understand this. Faith works in both directions. They had faith that he would come. We have faith that he did come. They look forward by faith to the coming of the Messiah. We look back by faith to the Messiah that came. But either way and every way and any way, the only way you can get saved is by the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So they were looking forward to this coming. God promised a deliverer would come to rescue them. And I want you to know, he came. He came. There's debate in the earth today about who Jesus is and who Jesus was and who Jesus will be. But we know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that he was sent by God to save us from our sins. The second thing I want you to see is that Jesus came so that everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life in heaven. That's what the Bible tells us in John 3, 16. God sent his son for this purpose. What is the purpose? So that everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life in heaven. I, I wonder if you fit into this group. See, I don't, I don't take for granted that just because you're sitting in a church that it means you're a Christian. I sit in the McDonald's drive-thru on Fleming Island every day, Monday through Friday. They know that, they know that $2.88 is coming. She laughs when I give her my order. Number one, I understand. I, I've got a pretty unique voice. I, I, I'm, I'm deep I'm deep southern rooted, and uh, everybody on Fleming Island is not. And so she laughs when she hears my voice because here's the order every day. See if, see if you heard this every day, if you'd figure out that's that same country boy that just said, I want a plain McChicken and a large Dr. Pepper. I don't think the average person goes through to McDonald's on Fleming Island every Monday through Friday at lunchtime and says, I want a plain McChicken and a large Dr. Pepper. As she laughed, she said, 288, dear. I'm like, don't be flirting with me, old lady. You got a wedding ring on. <laughs> I mess around and walk in there and show her these Thursday boots. She going to take that wedding ring off. But I ain't trying to break marriages up. How did we even get here? Ah, help me, Jesus. I wonder if you, oh, here it is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I don't take for granted that just because you're sitting in a church, it means that you're a Christian. I sit in a McDonald's parking lot every day. It doesn't make me a Big Mac. You, you can walk into a library and fall asleep face down in the slob on the table. 
It doesn't make you a book. Just being here doesn't make you. You don't become a Christian just by coming to church or hanging out with saved folk. Listen, you got to get in by Christ. We used to say in the old church, you can't join in. You got to be born in. Now I wonder, have you been born into the family of God? When you talk to people, and I hope you do, about Christ, you need to ask them, are they a Christian? Are they saved? And if they tell you, I hope so, you know they are not saved. The Bible says God wrote these things to us that, that believe that we might know that we have eternal life. If you don't know that you know that you know, if you're not sure enough sure, then that's trouble. That's trouble. If, if someone tells you, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, then ask them, how long you been saved? If they tell you, oh, I've always been saved. Mm, nobody's always been saved but Jesus. The, the Bible says Jesus told Nicodemus in the same chapter when Nicodemus came to him uh, seeking the answers to eternal life, Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus didn't understand it because he was, he was in his head, and he's like, Dude, I'm grown. How, what am I going to do? Go back up into my mother's womb and, and, and come out and start all over again? And Jesus said, no, you got to understand the natural things before you can understand the spiritual things. And he, he said that you're born once in, in the natural. For me, that was August 6, 1963. And then he says, but then you're born again in the spiritual. For me, that was July 15, 1981. Now, you might not remember. Hopefully, you remember your natural birthday. Uh, you, you got some serious onset issues at that point. If you don't, we'll pray for you. Uh, and, but I hope you also know what your spiritual birthday is. And I know some people don't, don't know. Uh, for me, I know for sure. Uh, for me, it was about 4 a.m. in the morning uh, coming home from a party. I got down on my knees beside my bed, and I prayed and asked God to save me, and he radically changed my life. So everybody doesn't have that same memory exactly where they were. You might, you might not remember what time of day it was. You might not remember what month it was. But you ought to remember something about your salvation experience. You ought to remember something about when God changed your life. If it happened to you, it should be memorable enough for you to remember it. But the reason why God sent his son is, is so that everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life in heaven. I got great news for everyone in the room this morning. There is heaven after this, and it lasts forever. I got bad news for everyone in the room this morning. There is hell after this life, and it lasts forever too. Everybody's going to live forever. Come to Jesus so you can live forever. No, you're going to live forever either way. The Bible is clear about this. You say, well, Pastor, I don't believe preachers should preach about hell. Life's hard enough. Listen, Jesus preached 16 sermons, recorded sermons in the Gospels. Fifteen of them discussed hell at length. Why? Listen, if the building is on fire, and I know it's on fire, it would be irresponsible of me uh, just to grab uh, me, Deacon West, uh, and a couple other people and say, hey, we got to go, bro, because this thing's burning down. Don't tell nobody else. They can just sit up here and burn out, but we got to go. All these preachers that are scared to preach about hell, all these preachers that are scared to preach about holiness, all these preachers that are scared to, to let folk know that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, they, they need to be sounding the alarm and letting people know that God is coming back. And if you don't want to die in your sins and spend eternity in hell, you better repent and be saved because Jesus is coming. Everybody.
everybody's not going to heaven. Jesus made that clear in his ministry. The Bible tells it, sure enough. The Bible tells us that more people are going to hell than are going to heaven. Jesus said that the road to hell is wide and many there be that go in there, but the road to heaven is narrow and few there be that find it. I wonder if you're one of those few today. I wonder if you know for sure that you've been saved by the power of a life-changing God. I wonder if you really have a personal, intimate, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ that you cannot get away from no matter how far you stray and no matter how hard you fall. You always know I'm saved and God loves me. He, he, He came so that everyone could be saved. Doesn't mean everybody is saved. Doesn't even mean everybody will be saved. But I want you to know something. God loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus Christ to this planet so that we could have a way to get out of our sin and our future punishment and find eternity in heaven. And this Christmas time and every other time and every day that God wakes you up and gives you breath, you ought to thank God for the gift of his son Jesus Christ. For without him, we would be lost and undone. Verse 17 in John chapter 3 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, here's where so many churches and people miss the point. So many churches and people miss the point, and, and I used to see it. Now, my sister was, uh, my, my sister has, has occupied uh, two extremes in my lifetime. She, she, she was the, the, the greatest cause for my moral decline. The greatest cause for my moral decline led me into drugs, alcohol, and rock music. Shameful. Shameful. Y'all look at her now. She's a church administrator. She's a mother and a grandmother, and she's just a little, you know, a little, little you know, buttoned-up Christian woman. Uh, and, and, she, and she is that. But, see, y'all didn't know her. When she had drugs and alcohol and, and her little record player set up in, in her drug closet and, and she was trying to get her brother hooked on, on drugs, alcohol, Peter Frampton sticks, uh, Van Halen, uh, uh, Foreigner, uh, all, all, all that, and, and, ta- and dragging me down to concerts. And we, we would go to concerts. Back then it was the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum. And there was only one production company in Jacksonville. And if you went to enough concerts, uh, this name should be stuck in your head if you weren't all the way high by the time you got there. Jet Set Enterprise. Ladies and gentlemen, the Jacksonville Coliseum, in conjunction with Jet Set Enterprise, is proud to present KISS! Jet Set. So, drug me into all that level of foolishness, but then... And and, uh, thank God, God saved both of us. And now she's the greatest influence in my life to keep me on track and and focused on the task at hand and toward the Lord. But we we were when we were dragging down there going when I was going to in the 70s and early 80s to concerts downtown. There was always this one chick and I don't know if she's still alive. She's probably dead. I hope she made heaven. But. She was older than dirt back then, and I was, you know, 15, 16 years old. But she stood in front of the Jacksonville Memorial Coliseum when we were just trying to press our way past her to, to get in to see 38 Special and, and, and Triumph and Brownsville Station and Blackfoot and, and groups like that that y'all never heard of. Uh, and she would stand there with this sign, and it was black on the bottom, and it had flames licking up off it. And it said, turn or burn. 
been in church enough times to know. Whack. I've been, in enough church, I've been in church enough times to know, even as an unsaved teenager, that she was trying to, to tell people, y'all going to hell. And I, I used to look at that woman, I think, really, that's, that's the best you could do? That's, that's, the best, that's the best artwork you could produce? You got no scripture on that, little, on that little poster board. You got no love on that poster board. You just got condemnation and fear-mongering. And, and, and a lot of churches, all they do is, is they try to beat the drum. When I was in third grade, we, we had a preacher. He was preaching hell hot and eternity long. He said, everybody that doesn't want to go to hell, stand up and walk down this aisle right now and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior or you will be in hell forever. Cow, I am coming down here. I ain't, I ain't stupid. I just look this way. I do not want to go to hell forever. I walked that aisle. I prayed that prayer. And I ain't supposed to take two steps at one time on a bad back. Y'all got this garland out here just to throw me down. Uh, I shook his hand. I prayed his prayer, closed my little eyes, repeated after him. He spun me around, put his big paws on the back of my shoulders, pressing down on me. He said, today we have coming to repent of his sins and to accept Jesus Christ by confession of faith. Little Scotty Becker, everybody that rejoices in his decision, say Amen. And they, they clapped. I thought, these whack folk don't even know how to pay attention. <laughs> that prayer did not save me. Be, I, I wasn't trying to get saved. I was trying to get fire insurance. I wasn't trying to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was just trying to stay. The man said, hell! I'm like, ooh. Me and my kids still don't watch scary movies. Y'all know, if you know me, back, back when America wasn't, wasn't freaked out uh, and we actually had movie theaters that we could go to. I'm mad about that, by the way. Get over this coronavirus. Open the economy back up. Brother needs a restaurant to sit down. Have Wingstop opened up yet for dine-in? Oh, if I wouldn't say that, I'd blow that building up. I ain't had Wingstop in so long because I refuse to stand on the sidewalk and eat wings. Get the economy back up. When we had movies we could go to, me and my kids would go to a movie every week growing up. They went it's one to two movies every week growing up. And they'd have these trailers. And you could tell by the music. As soon as that Oh. I would make them cover their eyes. We'd be like this. Close your eyes, cover your ears. You don't need to hear any of that because I still had that preacher's hell. People using fear tactics to try to scare people into hell. You can't uh, into heaven. You can't get scared into heaven. People, people trying to use all this. Now listen, it is a fearful thing. The Bible says to fall into the hands of a living God, and it ought to scare you to think that there are people in hell and that you may be the one going there. But I want you to hear clearly. This is not John 3.16. This is not the world's most famous verse. This is the verse after it that plainly says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Comma. 
I've told you forever, pause on the punctuation. When you read, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll perfect your understanding. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, comma. That's cause for pause. Stop and think on that. Do you realize that there are a large percentage of churches that have not figured out that phrase yet? The whole message is condemnation, and, and the whole message is God's going to get you. Listen, if God was some angry tyrant sitting on a throne up in heaven with a rod in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other hand waiting to zap us every time we did something wrong, we'd all be zapped and in hell. Now, there is, there is judgment in the Bible. There is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But I want you to understand, the scripture says God didn't, this is not why God sent his son. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Some of y'all have y'all noses so high in the air, you're so stuck up in your religion, you're so proud of who you are and what you think you've got going on in your life. You look down your nose at other people. And I want to tell you something. If you're saved at all, there was a time in your life where you had to realize that no matter what you had been through in life, no matter how good other people thought you were, you knew on the inside, if not even on the outside, that you were at some point a low-down scum of the earth, backbiting, whoremongering sinner, on your way to a devil's hell that desperately needed a loving and forgiving God to forgive you and receive you. How does that same group of people that clap and say amen now look at somebody else that's not yet saved and mm, make the stink face? Walking around, the reason why most people, hear me good, the reason why most people don't go to church in America is because they've been to church and they didn't like it. The reason why most people don't go to church in America is because they know other church-going people and it turned them off. Why? Condemning? Why would you expect, listen, I don't expect lost people to live any way but lost. That, that, that's why when people try to hide stuff from me, I'm like, you don't have to hide that. Uh, you're not going to shock me. You're not going to scare me. I know you're lost anyway. I don't expect, if, if I go to your house and, and I see a dog crawling on all fours, lapping water out of a bowl, I'm not going to go into some, you know, crazy speech like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? That dog's walking on all fours. I expect the dog to walk on all fours. Oh, my goodness, your dog doesn't use a glass and sit upright at the table and put a pinky in the air and, 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 and take small sips? No, I expect a dog to crawl on all fours and lap water out of a bowl. Now, if your child came crawling on all fours, put face down in the dog dish and lap, well, I'd probably just laugh, but I expect lost people to act lost. And I expect saved people to act saved. Here, here, hey, extra, extra, newsflash for you. If you're lost, stop acting saved. You're not fooling God. And you can't even fool yourself. You lay your head down on a pillow at night. You know your whole life is a front. You're just stunting. But you can't fool God. God didn't, he, God didn't send Jesus to condemn you. God sent Jesus to save you. That the world through him might be saved. If you don't hear anything else I'm saying here today, I, I, I want to tell you something. Christianity is not just about judgment and condemnation. It's about salvation and forgiveness. And I wonder, have you experienced that personally? See, this, this is why new Christians are so excited. 
And if you're saved, you were a new Christian at one point. And you ought to remember how excited it was to truly be saved. Because I'm telling you, knowing that your sins have been forgiven, knowing that you're not guilty anymore, knowing that you don't have the weight of that sin and that shame on your back, it is the greatest feeling in the world. And if you're not saved today, I want to tell you something. You're only one prayer away from being totally right with God. God said if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You need to find salvation today. In 1 John 4, 9, the Bible says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Look at John. Said it, said it one way in John 3, 16. This same John, God inspired him in 1 John 4, 9 to say the same thing. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Yes, I believe Jesus came as a baby in a manger. Yeah, I believe that whole story about shepherds. I believe everything the Bible has to say, but it wasn't about being a cute baby in a manger. It was about a God sitting up in heaven looking at a desperately lost, needy world that needed a Savior to come. That's why Jesus came. That's why God sent him, because he wanted to show how much he loved us. And whether you're saved or lost here this morning, I want you to start understanding at a high level, God loves you. God loves you no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through. God loves you, and he sent his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Verse 10 says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I, I, I was talking to Daryl and Sarah this past week in my office, and I shared with them, well, I, I, I got a, pa- a pastor, former pastor, friend, a friend of mine, I, I love him, great man of God, but he used to say something that annoyed me so much. He, he would tell people, uh, and he was more country than me, and he, w- he would say, Friends, greatest thing I ever did, smartest thing I ever did was give my heart to the Lord. And I got so tired of hearing that, I finally went and sat down with him and I said, you know, it's not your intellect that caused you to give your heart to the Lord. You do realize that, right, Pastor? And I didn't go to him to correct him. I didn't go to him to be rude or abrasive. I just wanted to make sure he understood that getting saved is not an intellectual uh, exercise it's not something you get smart enough to do and he agreed with me that that day and you need to understand that it's not being smart that brings you to Christ it's not making a good decision that brings you to Christ if you're saved at all it's because God chased you down tracked you down overcame you with his love and his grace and his mercy he poured out a revelation on you and gave you the faith to believe in him this is what real love is not that we loved him the Bible said there's none righteous no not one there's none good there's no one that seeks the Lord this whole seeker sensitive movement where these churches are trying to have church that appeals to lost people to get seekers there are none their whole movement is defunct and stupid there's nobody seeking God the scripture declares that there are no lost people out there seeking God only true followers of God only true saved people are the ones that are seeking him God loved us so much this is what real love is that he sent his son to us so that we could have salvation and that he could take away our sins. Let me tell you something. Guess who loved who first? God loved you first. 
If you love him at all, it, 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 it's just a revelation of understanding that because he loves you so much, you love him too. Listen, if you don't love God, it's because you don't understand how much he loves you. Because if you ever get a glimpse of who he is and how much he loves you, you are going to fall in love with him because he is the most worthy thing in the world that ever deserved love. There's only one person that can get you out of your sin and your future eternity in hell, and that is a loving God who sent his son to pay for our sins, and we need to give him praise. Sin separates us from God, and the Bible says we've all sinned, and the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. You don't have to be bound by your sin. You don't have to be captive to your sin. You don't have to be stuck in your sin. You don't have to keep stumbling in your sin. The Bible says that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. Now, some churches take that to believe that it's some magical, mystical, uh, listen, the anointing is Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. And he can break that bondage of sin in your life. He came to take away our sins. And if you ever understand how much he loves you, you're going to give up on everything else and hold on to him. Third thing I want you to see, uh, Jesus came to take away our sins. If somebody asks you why did God send his son, well, God sent his son uh, because he loves us, but he also sent his son to take away our sins. In Matthew 121, the scripture says, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save who? His people. His people. Now, white people don't get this concept because as the majority race in a country uh, that has always been the majority race uh, of, of white people, white people don't have a my people mindset. None of them do. Don't, don't kid yourself. They don't even go to family reunions. They don't even know who their cousins were. If their cousin called them and asked them uh, to borrow, you know, two pieces of bread to make a ham sandwich, they'd be like, dude, get your own bread. That, that's, that, 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 and that's a cousin. That, uh, uh, white, there's never been a white person. Let me, I'll just give you some so, sociology real quick. There's never been a white person that heard a report, uh, 26-year-old uh, white male shot dead on the northwest quadrant of Jacksonville in a drug deal gone to bad. More at 11. Back to you, Skip. No white person ever thought, Oh, Lord, another one of us done been cut down in the prime. Oh, Jesus, one, oh, one of my people. Now, never thought that at all. But how many of y'all know there are some, there are some sure enough uh, mamas and grandmamas out there and, and, and daddies and brothers read, read and think. Young black man shot on northwest side. Details at 11. Back to you, Skip. There, there are people who are so in their mind connected to this stranger that they think another one of us been shot. One less of uh, our people. And, and it, just doesn't, it just doesn't go. It, it goes to every, every minority race. It, it just, this is sociology. This is just how the mind grabs hold of. Listen, when I travel and I'm outside the country. And I see somebody from America, I'm like, what's up? And, and there's an affinity there when you're the minority. If, if I go into a game, when we walked in as Patriot fans to the Miami Dolphins Stadium, uh, well, a actually, Cheryl, I hope you know, your, your team, there were more Patriot fans there than there were Dolphin fans. Uh, uh, so you, you gravitate 
uh, when, when you're the minority so, so you don't feel so isolated. But it's not just African-Americans. I see total strangers in airports. I've been traveling with Puerto Ricans and uh, being in an airport with a, with a Puerto Rican, and they see a, a, another person, and I don't know how you see them. They could be Dominican. They could be Colombian. They could be Nicaraguan. They, they, they could be Portuguese. They, they, but, oh, oh, hold on, Pastor. Me, me familiar. Me familiar. Hola, hola. You shake your head and smile. Yes. That's the way it is. Me familia. Don't mess around. Let two Puerto Ricans pull at the red light, and they both got a flag hanging from their rearview mirror. Oh, the windows rolled down. Music's turned up. Hola. Como esta? And they want to know, you know, where are you from? Fajardo. Ah, Fajardo. Ah, Carolina. Ah. And that's just how. Listen, two rednecks in trucks pull up beside each other at the red light. One of them rolls the window down. Bubba just points a gun at him and says, don't even think about it. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Uh, 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 in, in, in certain uh, communities, but other communities, it's like every person you see. Some of y'all still upset about George Floyd. Now, George Floyd should not be dead. And the man that, that killed him uh, is, is, is in jail and, and probably going to face life in prison. But here's the reality. You wouldn't let George Floyd come eat at your family barbecue. He was a lifelong criminal, home invader, put guns in people's faces, stuck a gun to a pregnant woman's belly and said, I kill you and your baby. Then all of a sudden, one, 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 because he's black, every black person, not everyone, but lots of black people in America are like, oh, my people, my people. You wouldn't let George Floyd date your worst cousin. And if you don't wake up and realize white people ain't your people, black people ain't your people, Brown people ain't your Yes, they is. Yes, they is. Yes, they is. Okay, well, invite them into your home. House them all. If that's really what it is, there needs to come a time, and I prophesy to you today, there will come a time near the end of this era as, as, as prophecy begins to unfold when the body of Christ realizes black people are not black people's people. White people are not white people's people. Brown people are not brown people's people. We will realize that my people are God's people, his people. And we will realize that our true brothers and sisters in Christ are not based on melanin, but they are based on the connection that was made at the cross of Calvary. And we are one in Jesus. sweating no drug dealer that got killed on the north side of town. I'm glad there's one less drug dealer in America not peddling drugs to my children. I got no special affinity. I don't, it, it's hilarious. Me, me, me and Henry went to the airport one time. I don't know if you remember this. I know you remember a couple of stories because they stood out. But I don't know if you remember this. I just started watching the number of times we'd walk past another black man coming by. And, and, and I'd give him a head nod. 
he'd have looked past me. And I looked look to the, and Henry was right behind me. He, he'd give it, why would I give you the head nod? Because <laughs> you're black? You can't hide it, can you? You ain't never going to be passing. But young people don't even know what that means. Uh, you don't remember that, though, do you? Them head nods, you were getting them head nods. I wasn't getting those head nods. Why? Because the devil wants us to be fractioned. He wants us to be segmented. He, he wants us to, to gather. Listen, that dude could have been Muslim. That dude could have been atheist. That, that, that dude could, could have hated Jesus and been against the Lord's church. That don't make him your brother. And until we realize that the true family is the family of God, until we understand, he will save his people. So I want to ask you, as, as, as I get ready to close this morning, are you his people? If you listen, you can't be, you don't start off as his people. You got to be adopted into that family. You, 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 you got to be saved into that family. And in 2 Corinthians 5 21, the Bible says, For he made him to be him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus, the only person who never sinned, to be sin. For us, I want you to understand, here, here's, here's beyond the Christmas story today. Here's the greatest story ever told. A perfect, sinless human being named Jesus Christ took on the sin of the entire world so that anyone who believes in him could become righteous. Now, I don't get my theology from songs, but some songs have good theology. And I don't like Southern gospel music. That's just not my flavor. But some of it's got good words to it. And there is a song that says, when he was on the cross that day, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross that day, I was, listen, I, I believe that. You know why I was on his mind? Because the Bible says that he took upon himself the sin of us all so that we could become righteous in him. There's a way out for you today, sir, ma'am, young person. There's a way out for you of your struggle and your sin. Jesus came to take away your sins. Last thing I want you to see is Jesus came to show us what God is like. Jesus, see, the world looks at Jesus as a baby in a manger, and that's okay because he was. But that's not all that he was. See, the first time he came as, as a baby in a manger, but the next time he comes back, he's coming back reigning with all power. Jesus came to show us what God is like. In Colossians 1.15, the Bible says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. I want you to understand who Jesus is. You think about Christmas this year, I want you to understand Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. That's why when Philip said, show us the Father and it'll satisfy us, Jesus said, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen him. This is, this is what God looks like. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus didn't come into existence 2,000 years ago. He always has been. He came in that form 2,000 years ago, but he existed before anything was created. And Jesus is supreme over all creation. You ought to want to know this guy. You ought to want to know who Jesus is. In, in Matthew 1, 23, the Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. The Bible says that the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in him. He was everything that God was. So I told you four things today. I told you Jesus came because God sent him. Let me ask you, are you grateful? 
When's the last time you just thank God for sending Jesus into this earth? This earth is sin sick. This earth is evil. The people on this earth, uh, listen, in my estimation, are not worth saving. And I put myself in that number. I wouldn't ask God to let his son die for me. When I, when, I, when I really think about God and the fact that he let his son die for me, it breaks my heart. And I know I'm not worth his, what his son went through to purchase salvation. And, 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 and it humbles me. And you ought to be humbled by the fact that God, that Jesus came because God sent him. You ought to be grateful for that. And you need to start thanking God every day. I told you Jesus came so that everyone who believes in him could be saved and have eternal life in heaven. Here's the most important question anyone will ever ask you. Are you saved? Are you really born again? Doesn't matter how many times you walked an aisle. Doesn't matter how many times you raised your hand. Doesn't matter how many times you signed the back of a card saying that you prayed to receive Christ. Have you been changed on the inside? The Bible says if anyone's really a Christian, that they become a new creature, that old things pass away and all things become new. There's a change that has to happen. Has that happened for you? Third thing I told you, Jesus came to take away our sins. Let me ask you this. Do you believe he took away your sins? Oh, if you believe he took away your sins, you ought to do some crying in front of him every now and then. In true thankfulness. If you, if, you, if you know how he took away your sins. I remember when that Mel Gibson movie came out, The Passion of the Christ, and they had TV cameras set up, and people came, came out of that movie crying. I never knew. I never knew. I didn't know. I didn't know they beat him for me. I'll love him forever. And I'm just thinking, well, that's good, but what kind of church you been in? You didn't know he suffered and bled and died? You, you didn't know that they snatched the beard out of his face and spit on him? You didn't know that they beat him, the Bible says, until his bowels hang out. His, his, his flesh was ripped off his body. His bowels hung so low across his groin. The Bible tells us they couldn't determine if he was a man or a woman hanging on the cross. You didn't know? You, 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 don't, you don't know that, that they, they mocked him as a king and, and, and they took a crown of thorns of three and a half inch spikes and they pressed it down into his head, piercing through his skull and going deep into his brain as they mocked him and called him a king that saved others and said, save yourself. And listen, he could have saved himself. It wasn't three nails. They write books about three nails. They write songs about three nails and a hammer. It wasn't three nails and a hammer that held Jesus to the cross. It was his love for me and his love for you that held him to the cross. He could have came down off the cross. Those nails had no power over him. Those Romans had no power over him. Sin didn't have any power over him. But he loved us so much that he said, I'll take Rick Douglas' punishment for sin. I will take everybody's punishment for sin. And I want, to, I want to know this morning, do you know for sure that he is taking your sin away from you? Because sin is too heavy a weight for you to live with. And if you will let God save you, he will take that sin from you and he'll make you a brand new person. Last thing I told you, Jesus came to show us what God is like. 
you know what God is like? Do you really? Is it just something you hear about in church? Is it something that you hear other people talk about? Or do you know what it feels like to be close to God through His Son, Jesus? See, there's no other way. There's no other way to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. He said, I am the truth, not a truth, and the life. And hear this last verse and I'm done. No one can come to the Father except through me. This world, political correctness has gone amok. All all, all this special interest following and catering to everybody. Listen, we're so whack as a country right now. We're telling five-year-old boys that like to wear dresses that they can be a girl if they want to. No, you can be a boy wearing a dress. You shouldn't be, but you can't be anything you want to be. We 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 so we so we so polluted by this mainstream media's concept of inclusion. Everybody winning, everybody getting a participation trophy, everybody on equal ground. Listen, if me and Usain Bolt run a race of any distance, he wins. I lose. I'm not going to say, well, the system was rigged against me because he's taller and longer legged. No, he's just faster than me. And I'm not asking for for a 93-yard head start in a 100-yard. I think I could get him. This, in, this desperation to make everyone equal. Listen, everybody's not going to be equal. God showed he gave, he gave some people ten, he gave some five, he gave others two. Everybody don't have the same talents and ability. We could all get set on equal ground. Some people in this room would rise and others would sink. This, this inclusive thing that the mainstream media is trying to push on us is an anti-Christian thing. Everybody... Is not the same. Everybody doesn't win. All religions aren't the same. All religions aren't as valuable as others. Jesus did not even attempt to be inclusive. He said, no one can come to the Father except through me. Well, what about Muslims? Did they come through Jesus? Then they're not going to heaven. Well, what about any other group of people? Did they come through Jesus? Then they're not going to heaven. People say, well, I don't believe that a loving God and a blah, 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 and a, uh, would, would listen. Here's what the loving God said. If you don't come through Jesus, you can't get to the Father. The old hymn said, have you come to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you surely resting in His grace this hour? Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Have you come to God through Jesus? Not, I'm trying to do better. Have you come to God through Jesus? Have you truly been born again? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for sending your son into the world so that the world through him could be saved. Thank you, God, for sending him not to condemn us, but to save us. Thank you for revealing yourself through him. Thank you for allowing us access to you by him. God, I pray in Jesus' name 
that you'd have your way in this place today. Lord, I know there are people in this room that are not saved. And I pray right now that you would give them an overwhelming realization of their need for true salvation. We believe that you are the God who saves, heals, and delivers. We, that you are the God who sent your son into the world to save people and to take away their sins. So God, I ask you now to have your redemptive work. Do what only you can do by your spirit. I want to ask that everybody keep their head bowed and their eyes closed. And I don't do this often, but I, I feel led to do it today. If you're here and you're not sure that you're saved or you know that you're not saved, let me say something to you with no one looking around but me. God loves you and he wants to save you. He wants you to get unstuck. He wants you to find out what this whole deal about Christianity is. He wants you to have joy in your heart and to know him. He wants to give you a peace on the inside that nothing else can give. If you're here and you're not saved, and you know that you're not saved, and you're ready to get your life right with God, I, I, want, I want to lead you in a prayer. This prayer is not magic, and these words won't save you, but if it's your heart's desire to know God, he said if you'll call on his name, he'll save you. If you believe that you've committed sins in your life, and that Jesus came to pay the penalty for your sins and that penalty is paid and he said all you have to do is ask him to save you and he'll do it I, I, I want to help you in that process right now with every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around but me if you're here and you want to get saved for real and I don't care how many times you prayed this prayer if you know in your heart it hasn't, it hasn't taken root in your life then I want you not rededicate your life. I'm not looking for people to rededicate their life this morning. Not, 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 not to just turn over a new leaf. But if you want to get saved for real for the very first time in your life and find true salvation that will never leave you. With no one looking around, I, I want to pray this prayer out loud. I'll pray it out loud. You pray it silently in your heart. The Bible says that God can hear the thoughts in your head. If you're here and you want to get saved, pray this in your heart silently after me. Say, dear God. I believe in you, and I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, and I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he paid the price for my sins. Please forgive me of all my sins. Please make me a Christian. Live inside of me. Fill me with your spirit. Change me, oh God. If you prayed that prayer or something like it just now and you believe that God heard you and you, 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 you meant the words that you said with no one looking around but me, I don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to make a spectacle out of you. But if you prayed that prayer and you meant it and you believe God heard it with no one looking around but me, you, if you'd say, Pastor Scott, I prayed that prayer and I meant it, would you just slip your hand up? Just put your hand up right now. All right. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Anybody else? God sees your hand. Anybody else? All right. Thank you. For those of you that just raised your hand, I want to tell you something. And you can put them down. I want to tell you something. Everybody look up at me. I want to tell you something. Jesus said, if you'll confess him before men, he'll confess you on judgment day before his father. I want to give you an opportunity to do something right now that will get you started off right 
in your new decision for Christ. He said, if you'll confess me before people, I will confess you before God on judgment day. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, now, sometimes we have you come down front and, 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 and talk. Uh, you, you, you don't have, you, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it and you're not ashamed because the Bible says whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, I want to give you an opportunity right now to do what Jesus said. He said if you confess him in front of people, he'll confess you on judgment day. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, and you believe God saved you right where you are right now. I just want you to stand up on your feet and confess, all right, amen, that I meant it, I believe it, amen, hallelujah, amen, amen. Look around at all these people, amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.